Welcome back, everybody, to another Vince August podcast, episode 47, Memorial Day 2016. Welcome to this week's podcast. It's been a couple weeks since I put up a podcast, been working on some projects, been insanely busy uh, with my court schedule, shows, writing, working on this project. Hopefully that will someday see the light of day in California. Um, So just had a lot of stuff going on. Forgive me for not putting up a podcast uh, more recent than May 6th, almost a full month, but wanted to catch up and what better day than Memorial Day. Um, I do not say happy Memorial Day. Um, I, I don't understand people that do say happy Memorial Day. That's like saying happy 9-11 or happy Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, Memorial Day for those that just absolutely butcher this um, and massacre this on social media is the day to honor those that died in the military in service of this country. Um, It is not a day to honor those that just served but those that actually lost their lives. Uh, Veterans Day is the day that you thank a veteran. So I see people, you know, posting on certain people's pages, um, hey, you know, thanks for your service to this country, and it's just like, no, no, that's that's not what Memorial Day is. It's in memoriam of those that passed away. Um, You know, and, and a lot of people... You know, there's a big thing about how you, quote unquote, celebrate Memorial Day. And I know some people get all crazy by saying, you know, it's not a day of celebration. Well, I I agree in the fact that you don't walk around saying happy Memorial Day. It's not a day of celebration that way. And, you know, some people then get caught up in all kinds of stuff. Well, is it really a day you should be going to the mall and spending money and, and taking advantage of sales? Well, you know what? The people that died fighting for this country, fought for the rights of this country. And if shopping and capitalism is one of our rights, then technically, yeah, you could do that. Or, you know, everyone's out partying at a beach and barbecuing and having a good time. Well, again, that's part of what American freedom is. Um, I know uh, I belong to a CrossFit gym, and today they do this uh, workout called Murph. Um, which is this, you know, brutally long workout in honor of a soldier that passed away. And, you know, some people say, I don't understand the whole thing of going to the gym and working out in honor of a soldier that died. And it's, well, you know what? Listen, however you remember it is how you remember it. If, you know, doing a workout, like there's, there's a lot of runs that memorialize people. There's 5Ks and 10Ks that are in honor of people. Um, There's different ways to celebrate it. There's different ways to respect the day. Um, I just don't, my only big thing is you don't say happy Memorial Day. Um, I I think you should just understand what it is or or post thank you to someone who's still living that served and say thank you for your service. It's, It's to honor those that actually lost their lives in service. And in this country, um, just, you know, to put it in perspective, 
you know, for a long time, we had a draft in this country and no one was exempt from the draft. It wasn't until the later wars, um, Korea, Vietnam, that people started putting in for exemptions. World War One and World War Two, professional athletes, I mean, big time professional athletes, like the biggest names in their sport, Ted Williams, you know, were going off and fighting in wars. Um, there, there was no deferment. There was no, I'm not serving my country. I mean, there, there was a point in time where, you know, when your country called upon you, World War One, World War Two, you basically ran into basic training um, to go fight. Uh, things changed. You know, Korea was another war that, again, was very much supported by our country. It wasn't really until Vietnam um, where you started having conscientious objectors I think the biggest name that we know of in sports would be Muhammad Ali, um, you know, which, who refused to fight in Vietnam. And then, of course, as things progressed, you know, now all of a sudden you see all of Congress and Senate and their sons, you know, who got the firmans. And, and all of a sudden, you know, we're talking Donald Trump, who didn't serve and this one who didn't serve. And, you know, of course, John Kerry did and John McCain did. Um it's interesting to note how things have changed over the year, over the years. The one thing that was a significant change is we became a full volunteer military, uh, which means, you know, the people that fight in our armed services for this country do so by their own volition. And anytime you sign up for something that you're almost guaranteed to get thrown into harm's way, um, for a cause, a belief, and to put your life on the line for someone that you basically meet in basic training, who you get put into a, a platoon with and would sacrifice everything for the person next to you is such an incredible testament to what our military is. It's such an incredible testament to humans put in a situation where you literally put your life on the line for another human being and a cause you have to have such a tremendous amount of respect for those people and to see what i saw on the news that war memorials and flags that were put up and crucifixes that were put up that were desecrated uh, in four cities across the country, you have to be a special kind of stupid. You have to be a special kind of sick to not honor the memory or to dishonor the memory of those who served. You don't want to honor it. That's fine. Again, how you celebrate and celebrate again is not a good word. How you memorialize, um, those who served today and lost their lives, that is up to you. Um, but to dishonor those that laid down their life for a cause, for strangers, for a way of life, to dishonor that, again, you are, you're a special type of stupid. You're a special type of moron. You're a special type of lowlife like no other person that exists in our society. So if you did happen to read up on those stories, um, 
that's just my take on it. And Google it. Uh, by the way, this broadcast is done on actual May 30th, 2016 Memorial Day. Google the stories. Uh, United States. I think Kentucky was one of the cities I saw. I think um, it was a city in in Ohio where there was uh, veterans memorials desecrated by people. Um, take a look at it. Uh, it. It just shows you that we we have a, a certain type of degenerate in this country that just I I, I don't even understand. Me personally, uh, I happen to live by a park that I walk my dog in three, four, sometimes five times a day called Veterans Park. There is a statue set up in honor of, quote, the soldier. It's not any specific soldier, but soldiers that have served, and it has all the different wars listed on a plaque. And normally what I go do is um, I I kneel down and say a prayer of thanks uh, to those that lost their lives in service. Um, I normally try to pick out a name of a service person that stands out, not because they're, they're you know necessarily pop culture popular, but just that I've read about. And the two that normally pop into my head are uh, Master Sergeant Gary Gordon and Sergeant First Class Randy Shigart. Uh, they were Delta officers that fought... Um, in Mogadishu, if you ever saw the movie Black Hawk Down, uh, they were the two Deltas in a Black Hawk that were asking continually, continuously to be uh, lowered to a crash site to protect a pilot who had crashed his Black Hawk. Um, and that became the, the whole, you know, a, a big side story. Um, I actually met that pilot who wrote a, an incredible book called In the Company of Heroes. And um, what, what, you know, the way those two brave, brave servicemen died is, is absolutely incredible. So if you ever get an opportunity, you know, here's two other guys to Google. Randy Shugart, S-H-U-G-H-A-R-T, and Gary Gordon. Um, just incredible stories about, I mean, just super heroic men, um, military personnel, like you just, you can't understand, uh, special forces guys. Um, so normally that's what I do. Go say a prayer. So again, in memoriam of those that served and lost their lives. Thank you. Moving on to the news and just to show you how we've just not evolved as a nation. Um, (laughs) We have what happened with Hillary Clinton on earlier this week on Wednesday. I think it was the 25th. A story came out from the inspector general who was part of the Obama administration. This was the Obama administration's investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of this email thing with the server. And there was a finding. Now, now listen, if you've heard Obama it's pretty clear he is campaigning already against Trump. There's no doubt about it. Well, his administration launches an investigation, and the inspector general finds in the nutshell that Hillary Clinton is just lying. Plain and simple. There's no other way to say it. She is lying point blank to the American people when she says that this Having this personal server in her house was allowed. It wasn't against the rule. It's a lie. She knew it was against the rules. 
She knew what she was doing. She knew that she had a personal server set up to hide correspondence from people. Um, there are certain things she did not want to be as part of the government email, and she had her own personal email. She withheld information. She lied about her knowledge. She lied about not knowing the rules. She lied about the fact that, well, it didn't, you know, it didn't apply to other secretaries of state, so it certainly didn't apply to me, and I didn't realize there was a change of rule. Basically, it's all a lie. Um, MSNBC really showed a non-biased point of view of the story. I mean, I guess if you if you watch the different news channels, CNN is clearly pro-Clinton. Fox is clearly pro-Trump. MSNBC, I guess they're kind of Bernie Sanders-ish. Um, I think they tend to lean more left than they do right. Um, they certainly don't lean Trump. So for them to come out and bash Hillary the way they did, and basically, you know, they, they sat there as if you want to talk about in memoriam, as if everything she said and done for the past couple of years with regards to this email server was just like, oh, my God, I'm in shock. She lied. She lied to us and she continually lies and she still stares at the camera and lies. And we can't believe this. I, I'm trying to figure out how disingenuous that is, because, I mean, this is the M.O. of the Clintons. Um, Bill waved his finger at the camera and lied uh, on an issue that was just, I mean, the Monica Lewinsky issue. Let me put it to you this way. I didn't care whether or not the guy was having an affair, but once you got called on it, don't lie. Just say, hey, listen, this is between me, my wife, and Monica Lewinsky, and I did not put the country in any danger or jeopardy. You know what? This is a personal matter, and I'm going to take care of it. If the guy says that, there's never an issue. But once you start waving your finger, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Lie upon lie upon lie. And, and listen, this this guy did it with a, a bunch of women. You know, National Organization of Women does nothing. I mean, that, that was the thing that bothered me about Clinton and his whole administration. And Hillary is no different, which basically leaves us right now with where we are. Um, Hillary is 76 delegates away pretty much from locking up the Democratic um, nomination. The The only tricky thing about it is if she gets indicted, uh, because the Inspector General's report basically said she, she's lying. And with her use of the server and her failure to provide information, it actually shows intent. And because of the intent, it would rise to the level of a felony, which therefore makes her subject to an indictment. So Bernie Sanders, first of all, Bernie Sanders, please don't drop out. Second of all, I don't think he will drop out. I think he's going to stay in this race to the very end because he doesn't know what's going to happen to her. Nobody knows. Um, and he wants to be there just in case. And thank God, um, because, you know, we, we need a, a reasonable candidate um, that's just you know better than what we have so far. Um and again, I, I'm not a huge Bernie supporter, but just right now the choice to me is, I mean, this is the way to look at it. Okay, we have Clinton on one side, Trump on the other. So with Clinton, you, have, you know what, do it, in, do it in this terms. How about we do it this way? If you had to get into a relationship with somebody, if you had to marry somebody, date somebody, you, you had to have a personal close relationship with somebody, and you knew that somebody was a liar. They lied. They will say and do 
anything at any point in time to get what they want. That's Hillary Clinton in a nutshell. Let's not kid ourselves. Hillary Clinton is a liar. If Would you rather be in a relationship with somebody who's an outright liar or you have Trump on the other side who doesn't seem to ever stand for an doesn't ever seem to explain what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, which is why it's it's so really difficult to attack him and debate him because whenever you ask him how he's going to do something, it's it's always, you know, we have wonderful people. This is going to be great. I'm tired of losing. Aren't you tired of losing? He never gives you an answer. So, you know, would you rather be in this relationship with somebody who's outright lying to you or with somebody that you don't really know what you're going to get from in this relationship? They're, they're promising you the world. You don't know if they can deliver. It's It's just a complete unknown. And given the two choices, I mean, listen, gun to my head, Clinton or Trump, I, I got to tell you, I'm, you know, especially with what happened this week, the, it seems like the more Clinton is around and the more she talks and the more she does things, the more she puts her foot in her mouth and the more she just looks worse. I got to tell you, I'm leaning Trump right now, which is really, really sad. Um, that this is what I'm left with to vote for. But this is what it's coming down to. Um, I, I can't see myself aligning with somebody who's just an outright liar. Um, and that that's that's Hillary Clinton. She, she's a liar personified. Um, moving on. Barack Obama uh, goes to Japan. And, you know, people are saying it's not an apology People are saying it is an apology. All right, let's get to the apology aspect of it. For those out there saying, you know what, what is so wrong with Barack Obama apologizing for the sins of our forefathers? What is so wrong with, you know, going to Japan and saying we apologize for dropping two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki you know what? It wasn't the right way to do. It was a, a, a mass elimination of human lives and was completely wrong in every aspect. And we apologize for that. And some people say, what's so wrong with saying I'm sorry? Here's the thing with that. If you want to do that, at least do it under the. I'm trying to find the right word here. At least do it where it's two nations, because we we have a great relationship with Japan. There's no, it's not like we're mending fences with Japan. We already have the relationship established. At least do it under the circumstance where there's a mutual exchange between our nations to show that we've overcome this horrific thing that happened. You know, almost 80 years ago, 70 years ago, how we've overcome it and come to a great place and how over the the course of history, two countries that destroyed and eliminated human lives with almost complete disregard, like we had in Pearl Harbor, like we had in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 
here we are 70 years later breaking bread together, showing that we've overcome this, is a way for the world to see that every situation right now, as bad and as dark as things may seem, you know what? The future can be bright and we can overcome this. If you do that, that way, if you do it under those circumstances, I am all for it. I think that's phenomenal. I think it's fantastic. Here's the problem with it when it's only done one way. As a leader of a nation, you tend to weaken and disrespect our history and the the whole story. So to me, what Obama should have done, you know, you want to go to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that's fine. You reach out to the prime minister of Japan and you say to the prime minister of Japan, listen, why don't we show the world what unity can look like? Why don't we show the world what can actually happen after events that would depict the the most outrageous act of violence against one another a surprise attack and the dropping of two atomic bombs that never happened before or after and look at where we are now let's do this together you know what i'm going to come to hiroshima and nagasaki then you come to pearl harbor and we show you know what look we are both showing that what we did in the past, the sins of our fathers are apologized for, and we are in a better place today. You want to do it that way? I'm all for it. When you do it one-sided, it doesn't have the same effect. It shows weakness. It shows some other motive, some other intent some other post-presidency setup that I, I just, it raises skepticism in at least half of the people. So, you know, when, when half of the people are outraged by it, that's what they're outraged at. And if you're, if one of the half that says, oh my God, the half of those people, they're just mean. They, they, you know what? So what? He's apologizing. It, it takes, you know, an act of love and bravery to, to say when you're wrong and this and yeah, but it's it's different when it's person to person, when you're representing an entire nation. And at the time to say, you know, the order to drop the atomic bombs was wrong. You know, back then, war was so different than what it is now. You know, the, the, the Geneva Convention and all of the rules of war and engagement didn't exist then the way they do now, and to do this revisionist history apology is really misplaced because you can't today judge something that happened then and sit back as a president and say, you know what, here, I'm going to make amends for what, you know what, because unless you were born alive and living during that time, it's so, it's impossible to have an appreciation for the the culture, the nature of events, the time, everything was going on. You have to have a feel for it. And this is why I, I can't stand when people, you know, 
try to erase history or do revisionist history and try to make up. There's nothing you could do. And people say, well, you know, we slaughtered the Native Americans that we hear. Is it so wrong to apologize? Yeah, look at the way we apologize. We give them tax-free land and free education. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, are you kidding me? This is the, the you know, the, the way you're going to come back and apologize for wiping out a people and almost committing a genocide. I'm sorry, but, but that's so nominal in nature. It's, it's so inconsequential when you look at the greatest. You can't do it. You can't apologize for wiping out a Native American people. You can't apologize for slavery. You can't even explain slavery in terms that make sense to people, you know, to explain how, you know, this wasn't white people from America going to Africa and capturing black people that just were roaming the streets. And no, this was people from England going to Africa, buying people that were traded, literally traded. Humans were traded as as commodities. You know, here, we're going to give you money. We're going to give you you know, furs, we're going to give you food in exchange for people that were commodities. And it wasn't, you know, it was a certain type of people that were basically treated as something of property. This was the way of the world back then. So, you know, to look back and, and judge it and characterize it and, and look forward now and say, we apologize. Well, well, who's the apology coming from? The apology is part of humanity. It's what humanity was at the time. What you do then is you just evolve from it. You can't apologize for what humanity was because then where does the apology stop? You know, do, do, do the Egyptians go to Israel and apologize for enslaving the Jews? Do the Germans go to Israel and, and apologize for the Holocaust? You know, do, do the Germans go all over Europe and do an apology tour for World War II? Do the Germans go to Russia and apologize to the Russians? Do the Russians say, I'm sorry, we killed your people? Where does it stop? You know, does the North go to the South and do we apologize for the Civil War? It, it's just, you know, it's an impossible thing to do to apologize and, and make it make sense in terms of historical placement and what was happening at the time and what you know the culture was at the time in the entire world so this is why i have a problem with the apology um or the notion or the whatever you want to call it that he's doing um you know going there and, and doing this symbolic gesture that's why i have a problem for it because listen just go Visit the nation if you can do something that's mutually beneficial and show the world where we are today. Great. But otherwise, you, you can't go back in time and erase what happened. And you don't know what was going on at the time. No one does. Listen, we've spent how many years arguing found, founding fathers' intent with regards to the Constitution. And they could have never anticipated technology and air flight. And this, That's right. They couldn't. So why are we trying to get into the minds of men that lived 400 years ago, 300 years ago under circumstances we can never understand? Why are we trying to do that? You mean to tell me that we can't just develop our own intent in this day and age? It just seems to me it. it I don't think there's a way 
you could write, rewrite history or go back and explain history to people and do an act today that somehow undoes an act from years ago. It's impossible. It's impossible. All you can do in this modern day, in this modern age, is show the progress. Show the progress. What happened is done. Past the Pearl Harbor happened. Even 9-11, it happened. What you now need to do is show the progress that you've made. And when it comes to 9-11 and when it comes to war on terror, we, I, I think we've made absolutely little progress, if any at all. So you, you have to do things to create progress. Don't worry about trying to change the things that happen. You can't. Just work on progress moving forward. How can we fix the situation today? And there's no situation to fix with us in Japan. So that's why I had a problem with the whole thing. Sticking with um, Obama, and I, I don't know if this is really tied to Michelle Obama or not, but I saw something on the Internet with regards to uh, wearing orange with regards to um, awareness as to shootings and gun violence and, and you know, w- what this all means. So there's, you know, there's this 2016 campaign to wear orange and it's moms. And, and I, I saw someone tagged Michelle Obama in it and, you know, uh, mothers against um, sh- gun violence and all of this other stuff. And, and you know, the second amendment and it's all happening this week, June 2nd. And it's a national gun violence awareness day and the wear orange campaign Um, this is the second year that they're doing it and it's inspired by, um, this Hadia Pendleton. Uh, she was a 15 year old Chicago high school student killed by gunfire. Um, and they're honoring her life by everyone wearing orange. All right, let me get into the whole wearing ribbons, wearing orange, you know, and listen, I'm right now, as I sit here, I'm wearing a teal, uh, wristband that says no one fights alone to honor the memory of my friend Michelle Wall, who was had an original diagnosis of ovarian cancer. It spread throughout her body, took her life in a matter of two months. It wound up being a, a form of melanoma. And I wear this bracelet to remind me of her. And again, this is a memoriam. And this this podcast is turning into this memoriam. And, and, and again, honoring people and you know how you bring awareness to things. And to me, on June 2nd, You could wear all the orange in the world. You can paint yourself orange. Donald Trump can come out with his hair as orange as ever. If that is somehow going to or supposed to change the awareness as to gun violence in this country and make people say, oh, you know what? Yeah, we need to stop shooting people. If you think the common criminal, the gangbanger out there, the psychopath, the lunatic, the mentally infirmed is going to at some point pick up a gun and go on one of these shooting sprees that we've seen all too often, especially in the last eight years. And I'm going to get into the last eight years. And when they pick up the gun and they start loading up, all of a sudden they think, oh, you know what, man, I, I wanted to go on this shooting spree today, but... You know, on June 2nd, everybody wore orange and, 
yeah, you know what? I'm not gonna. And they're just gonna start unloading their gun and say, yeah, I I'm not gonna do this. Or if you think somebody in a gang on June 2nd who lives in an urban area that is inherently unbelievably dangerous and violent where their police just don't go because they're threatened by the amount of violence. And if you think one of those people which is no, who is normally packing heat is just going to say, you know what, man, everybody's wearing orange today. I, I'm just going to leave my gun at home. No, the colors that they're worried about is the colors of their gang, whether it be red, blue or whatever. They're not worried about orange. They're worried about themselves and their own survival. And the common criminal is not going to look around and see orange and say, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go on a shooting spree today. That's I'm sorry. The ribbons and all of that stuff, that doesn't work. You know what does work? Going to Congress and being more powerful than the gun lobby. Trying to somehow outdo the gun lobby. Stop wearing the orange. Stop wearing the orange. Write your congressperson, write your senator, write your governor. Constantly write email after email after email, letter after letter, phone call after phone call till they get sick of you and say, we are tired of the gun violence. You've got to do something about this gun lobby. I don't even know that that's going to do anything. But that will do more than walking around wearing orange. Absolutely will do more than wearing orange. During the Obama administration, look this up. Look up the statistics. Since his presidency, every single year, gun sales have increased. 2008, they went up in 2009. They went up in 2010 over 2009. Up in 2011 over 2010. 12 over 11. 13 over 12. 14 over 13. Every single year of the Obama administration... From the day he took office, gun sales have gone up. And remember, he had control of the House and Senate his first two years. He could have done magical work with gun reform. He didn't. He could have signed an executive order and nobody would have overdone it those first two years. He didn't do it. Not only did he not do it, but on his Asian tour, Barack Obama was just in Vietnam and lifted the embargo of trade with Vietnam for the purpose of doing one thing, selling weapons. So I don't want to hear Michelle Obama. I don't want to hear Democrats. I don't want to hear the liberal left telling me about how you're against guns and gun violence because you've done nothing. And in fact, during the Obama administration, gun sales have gone up. Now, the reason they go up is because everyone's afraid Obama's going to take the guns away. Because he gives all these speeches and, and comes out and says how we need to have all this reform. So his speeches actually trigger higher sales. He's actually better off saying nothing than scaring people into thinking he's going to do something when he really can't do anything because the gun lobby has everybody in their pockets. And actually increasing the sales. It's almost worse what he does. It's almost worse. So this notion of wearing orange, this notion of wearing red, the ribbon thing, the bumper sticker to give autism awareness. And listen, well, trust me, this country, the 50 percent of it, that's absolutely stupid and self-absorbed. That doesn't care. You could 
you could walk past them with a spray can of paint and paint their face orange and they won't know what the hell it means. Okay? There's a portion of this country that doesn't care. Then there's another portion of this country which has absolute awareness of everything, raise money, try to make a difference. Again, it's that whole thing of how do you what do you do to memorialize something? What do you do to bring awareness to something? Do you do a gesture or do you actually raise money? Do you actually write a congressman? Do you actually write a senator? Do you actually, you know, post blogs and and give out information? Or do you do this gesture thing that really doesn't make a difference? This symbolic gesture that has really no impact on a change at all. Again, you know, it's eh, it's a fine line, man, between, you know, we're here, look at us. We're doing something great and actually doing something great. You know, why don't you just actually do something about the gun violence as opposed to just, look, everybody, I'm aware there's gun violence. What the hell? Everybody's aware there's gun violence. It's in the friggin' news every night. Somebody getting shot all the time now. Trust me, we're aware of it. And the people in the inner city where the bullets are flying past, they're really aware of it. You don't have to wear orange there. The only orange they're concerned with is the jumpsuit that the person who's pulling the trigger may eventually wear. That's the only orange they care about. So, last story. Um, I'm going to end on the Cincinnati Zoo and the silverback gorilla that was shot. Um, If you haven't seen the story, it's been all over the news. Let's break it down. Ten-year-old kid gets in a gorilla cage with a 17-year-old silverback. I, I think there's like, I don't know, 800 of them in captivity, maybe 2,000 in the world. Just from what I've seen from the news stories, don't quote my numbers. I'm just throwing out what I've seen, what I can recall. Probably less than 2,000 in the world. Well, we happen to have one that's in the Cincinnati Zoo. Originally, it was in the Texas Zoo. They moved it to Cincinnati. Um Kid gets into the enclosure. Uh, There's a 10-foot barrier. Kid gets in. Gorilla is by the kid. Gorilla then in video scene dragging the kid through the water. Stops. Gorilla then drags the kid again. Gorilla shot. Okay. First thing. Let's get into, again, I'm going to put on my lawyer hat because remember, lawyer, former judge, here I am. Um, First aspect. If you own and operate a zoo and you have an endangered species that is violent and a kid can penetrate that enclosure, you are completely negligent. You, your enclosure sucks. How about that? What you've set up for this silverback gorilla is barely an enclosure. Okay? Terrible job setting up this quote-unquote enclosure. Awful job. Okay, because if a 10-year-old, if this little kid can get in there, then I'm sure pretty much anybody could have penetrated this gorilla enclosure. Okay, first part. So Cincinnati Zoo, terrible job. Parent, you're at a park with wild animals, vicious wild animals. I don't know how you lose sight of your kid long enough for the kid to get into an intricate enclosure that's meant to keep 
an endangered, violent animal in it. But as a parent, you suck as bad as the zoo in terms of keeping control of a situation. Okay. So parent, fail. Zoo, fail. Let's get to the gorilla in captivity. I can't stand that we keep animals in captivity. You know what? Species die off. Other species evolve. It's part of the world. It's part of what we are. Dinosaurs are gone. Animals go extinct. Normally, we're to blame for it. To try to keep an animal from going extinct in captivity for the purpose of someday releasing them all back into the wild so that we've increased the population is kind of like screwing with nature the same way as we do by poaching these animals. We're, we're really playing God. And, and I, I just have a problem with the whole system because if you evolve this a thousand years from now and there's a creature here that's more evolved than human beings, imagine as a human being being raised in an enclosure and saying humans are gone. Um, we're going to put this one in a, a case that's it, it resembles what used to be a, a house back in the 1990s and 2000s. And look, you can see it in its habitat. Imagine being confined just to your home and not be able to leave. Kind of sounds like jail, doesn't it? Sounds like jail for the purpose of science, for the purpose of evolution, for the purpose of keeping a species going. Put yourself in the place of the gorilla. Would you rather just be wiped out by the thing that's hunting you? Or would you rather be kept in an enclosure and raised by whoever your captor is to try to simulate what your species used to look like? Obviously, isn't acting like because you were raised by a human. Think about it. So zoos are a little screwy that way. And I have a problem with zoos. Okay, so this is what we do in order to try to keep a species alive. We try to, we create a smaller environment for that species to survive in. And then what happens is we don't have a contingency plan if and when a child person falls in there to try to save the individual that falls in or, or roams into this enclosure other than Shoot the thing that we're trying to preserve because in the end, we're trying to preserve it because we exterminate it ourselves. So here's what we do. We're exterminating a species. We're going to preserve it, keep it in a cage, and if something happens, kill the thing we're trying to preserve. What the, what the hell is this story about? It, it's about... Human beings being completely incompetent when it comes time to dealing with nature. That's what this story is about. It's about how we suck in terms of our nature and our environment. Maybe we should just stop trying to preserve animals, plants, and just exist. And you know what? When we wipe out a species of animal, when we wipe out a plant, when we wipe out our oceans... Ultimately, guess what's getting wiped out? Us. We're wiping ourselves out. And this is the funny, ironic thing 
about this entire story and how it's a microcosm of our world and our existence with nature. We try to show how we're benevolent in saving the environment through this act of preserve preservation in the end to only destroy it. That's how good we are at preserving things that our only answer in certain situations is destruction anyway. Look, as far as the parents are concerned, again, uh, terrible job. As far as what they should have done or shouldn't have done to the gorilla, I don't know. I'm not there. If it's my kid, I'm screaming, shoot the gorilla. If it's not my kid, I'm screaming, shoot the parents. You know, I, I, I mean, you, you take, if you're standing there and you see this happen, who are you rooting for to get shot? The kid, the parents? I would say more people are probably shoot, rooting to shoot the kid and the parents than they were the gorilla. But that's just, you know, again, my, my comic take on it. In my opinion, from what I saw from the video, I don't think that gorilla was really, really trying to harm that kid. The fact that that kid is already out of the hospital two days later and relatively unharmed, to me, I think the gorilla was trying to protect it from the swarm of people that kept running over and pointing their cell phones and screaming at the gorilla. That's what I saw. I saw people surrounding the gorilla from up top, the gorilla running away to protect the kid. I saw people running back towards the gorilla, and again, the gorilla pulling the kid away. I, don't, I didn't see that kid. I didn't see that gorilla trying to kill that kid at all. I didn't see the gorilla trying to hurt the kid. I think, once again, as people... Even zoo people, even people that work with the animals, they don't know how to interpret the situation because in the end, we suck at dealing with nature. We suck at preserving the thing we're trying to preserve. Maybe we should just stop it. Eventually, you know, the thing that's going to become extinct is us. We're so arrogant. So arrogant. Anyway, um, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Again, wanted to hit on some memoriam stuff from Memorial Day, politics, news, um, and, of course, keeping up with the local stories. Everybody, keep listening to the podcast. Spread the word if you enjoyed it. Um, Thank you for listening. Vince August.